Hello and welcome to episode nine of of Muggles and Mudbloods, a podcast where I, Tavi Wickman, together with Mona Musa, discuss the chapters of each Harry Potter book. This this is of course the Philosopher's Stone and something from the Muggle Wizard interaction. This week we are talking about chapter nine. The Midnight Duel, because Malfoy is a little bitch who whims out on the challenges he makes. And obviously he can't get Harry in trouble. Harry's not going to get expelled. Expulsion isn't a thing, and they're just lying to these students. They don't do that shit. How, how do we know that expulsion isn't a thing? Because of all the fucking shit the Weasley twins have gotten up to. Yeah, but they're only pranks. They're not like legit stuff that they created a I fucking swamp in book five in book five yeah so. they made a swamp that umbridge couldn't get rid of which is <laughs> the best thing ever to be fair but also Amazing. but also bit of an issue anyway yeah but also also the Weasley twins they've got a reputation so it's expected out of them Moving brilliant. on. Moving on. It's it's time to do the 30-second recap of the whole chapter that I, again, haven't prepared for, as usual, so we're going to wing it. Which is obviously, you know, I prepare Ravenclaw. She doesn't. Uh, Slytherin, I guess? What? No. Anyway, here we go. Okay, so first of all, in the chapter, Harry's upset by the news that Gryffindors are going to fly with the Slytherins, and he doesn't want to spend time with Malfoy. Madame Hooch leads the class. It goes fine until Neville accidentally breaks his wrist because he goes flying off into the sky without any, uh, without doing anything. Well, he did something. Um, Malfoy notices a magic ball that belongs to Neville. He picks it, begins, it begins to fly around, and then Harry goes up. Uh, Draco drops it. <laughs> oh god, this is going horribly. <laughs> yeah, and Har- Harry ends up catching the ball with like a few feet off the floor magically. Um, McGonagall catches them. Um, and then basically Harry becomes the first year um, keeper or snitch or whatever it's called for, for the Gryffindor Quidditch team. And then there's the whole midnight duel with the Slytherins and Malfoy. It doesn't happen. They end up going to the secret room and uh, they find a three-headed dog with a door under it. That's something hidden. And there you go. I think I'm way over. You are way over. Um, It was over when you said this is going horribly. (laughs) Um, You didn't get to the end of the quid, the, the broom, the flying lesson. That's, that's where you got to um, in yeah. 30 seconds. So, okay, you guys, I promise I'm going to get it like to the point next chapter. Like, yeah. You, you, less than 30 seconds. I promise you guys. Less than 30 second recap next time. So, in this chapter, we have a lot of things going on. Obviously, we have the first introduction of Quidditch, and Harry gets on the Quidditch team. Oh my God. Woohoo. Obviously, we all know this already, but, you know, it's still a big deal. And, you know, Harry thinks he's going to get beat with a piece of wood. Um, But, you know, Oliver instead gets to, like, walk around Harry and fucking inspect him. He's like, 
he's he's got the right build for his team. It's like, come on, Oliver, relax. See, McGonagall's doing this just for her own benefit and to get revenge for the year before, after Slytherin won the the Quidditch Cup. Yeah, just like in uh, binge mode Harry Potter, they say Minerva McGallion McGonagall, um, and she is absolutely obsessed with Quidditch. Um, It's really funny because, like, she literally buys Harry a broom, which is something he's not allowed to do. Like, he's not allowed to have a broom. Like, she's, she's willing to bend the rules just for her own sake. Oh, yeah, she is breaking the fucking rules left, right, and center. But hey. I give her a round of applause, though. Like, a round of imaginary applause. Eventually, they do win the Quidditch Cup, which is good for them, I guess. Um, Hello, spoiler alert. Spoilers. Anyway, but also, Harry's a jock, and this really doesn't matter. Uh, One thing I noticed is that we hear a mention of the Clean Sweep 7 which is like the only time this broom is mentioned ever. We know the Clean Sweep 6 is a pretty crappy broom, to be honest. And the Clean Sweeps and that kind of stuff aren't really a great line. So, well done, Clean Sweep 7. But, you know, Nimbus has been doing this a lot longer than you have. So Nimbus 2000, obviously, is a much, much better broom. And then, of course, the Firebolt is, you know, the... Let's not say Tesla, because Tesla sucks. Sorry. Um the new, you know, intruder off the market. So what what else happens in this chapter? We have... There's also um, where Finnegan told that he spent most of his childhood uh, going on a broomstick in the countryside. Yeah, playing Quidditch. Yeah. And and I'm like, um, how can he do that in the countryside? I'm assuming it's in the muggle world. How can he be flying on a broomstick? Yeah, so that, that's really like one of the things we want to get into this this episode is that, you know, Finnegan might be, and the Weasleys might be, you know, be a bit more rural. Like the Weasleys, Weasleys we know, they're, they are rural, and Fred and George and Ron, they grew up playing Quidditch at home on their old clean sweeps and that kind of stuff. But Malfoy mentions, and this is most likely Malfoy bragging, I'm hoping he's bragging, but he's, that he's been chased by helicopters Oh yeah, I remember that as well. But um, when he flew for the first time, he had the skills. Harry underestimated him, so he's been practicing. Yeah, well, Malfoy has obviously been flying for a long time, but the, 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 the thing is still that, you know, that is a massive infringement on the international statute of secrecy to fly in muggle areas and being followed by helicopters? What the fuck? Okay, but to be fair, he could be exaggerating it. Oh yeah, that's 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 most likely what he's doing. He's a bit of a bit of a teller of tall tales. He's the boy that cried wolf, um, <laughs> quite literally, when it comes to his his cut from from Buckbeak, right? That that I don't remember. I cannot say anything about it. Oh my God, Mike Schubert. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I love you, Mike. You're great. Great podcast. Anyway. <laughs> so it's like, it's one of these massive violations of the International Statute of Secrecy that I, I find it really hard to ignore now, looking back. It's like, like 
is this the kind of power Lucius Malfoy wields that his son is okay with doing this? Like, this, Does the Ministry of Magic have to send out their orders or the, their obliviators or their muggle handling department to obliviate helicopter pilots left, right, and center because wizarding children can't help themselves but fly close to muggle populations. Or what if he had the the invisible cloak and he was flying with it? They do move, especially when you're flying around quickly. Yeah, you can tie it up somehow, use a few hair bands here and there, stick it all together, and you're good to go. Yeah, maybe. But also, it also brings up the subject of why in the world would wizards and witches ever live in muggle areas? Like, they... That seems like a massive inconvenience for them. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, why would you want to live close to muggles? It's going to be a pain in the fucking ass. Maybe they need human interaction. Or they're looking down and judging muggles for the shit that that they're doing. Well, you know, we are judging ourselves anyway, so (laughs) that's fair. Um... Although I I assume they're not judging us for our politics or whatever it is because they have other things to judge judge us for like our turnstiles and our telephones being so yeah so so one thing that also stands out for me here in the in the books is there's a lot of like there's a lot of religious and historical allusions within the Harry Potter books um, there was the 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 first Wizarding War is placed in the same years as, as the, well, not the first Wizarding War, sorry. The war with Gellert Grindelwald was placed in the same years as the Second World War, um, implying some kind of connection there. But, and of course, we have the Minister of Magic, Cornelius Fudge, being compared to Neville Chamberlain um, for his inaction and such. But one thing that stands out to me when it comes to the kind of mythological aspect here is Fluffy. Fluffy? Fluffy. Hagrid's three-headed dog. Oh, wait, his name is Fluffy? His name is Fluffy. For, from the description in the book, he doesn't look like a Fluffy. When will we ever trust Hagrid to name anything appropriately? Ah, uh, true. Fair enough. Like, give you that. like, sure, sure. Aragog is fine, but if it was like Hagrid naming him, it would be like Cuddle Pumpkin. <laughs> like that should be Cuddle Aragog's pumpkin. name. Aragog could be Cuddle Pumpkin the Spider. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> fuck. What have I done? Um. One thing that I find interesting here is that we have Aragog, sorry, not we have <laughs> we have Fluffy guarding the door, guarding the passage to eternal life. Eternal life is, is that what this the sorcerer's stone is? Yeah, it, it it keeps you alive permanently. But what uh, what makes this interesting for me is that. We have Cerberus. What, what Cerberus? 
Cerberus was the three-headed dog in Greek mythology that guarded the path to the kingdom of the dead. Oh. Where Hades ruled. Like, we have the three-headed dog here in Greek mythology guarding the dead. And we have Fluffy, <laughs> another three-headed dog, um, guarding eternal life or guarding the guarding the key to never meeting the other Cerberus. That's pretty amazing though. So the, like the 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 resemblance, but yeah, so I, I think that's that's fairly interesting. I, I I'm assuming it's a coincidence, but knowing JK, um a lot of things are assumed to be coincidences and they appear not to be because she ties them in later on, which is a one thing I love about these books, to be honest. I mean, those small details make it back in the, the very, very end. Yeah, you need to remind me of that because I'll probably forget about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also how, you know, Hagrid got got duped by like, I have a three-headed dog for you. Do you want it? Yes, I do. Um, standard Hagrid. Another thing that kind Not of surprise. kind of illustrates for me the um, the foreshadowing in these books is when Harry and Ron first go out to go to this midnight duel with with Malfoy, Hermione waits up and catches them in the act. Right? And we have at the same time in the, the next book, or not next book, but later on in this book, we have Neville doing the exact same thing to Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Waiting up and trying to stop them. Um, which also is proof that, I don't know, maybe Hermione is a lot more decisive when it comes to it because she is the one that, you know, that curses Neville and puts a um, Petificus Totalis charm or hex on him, whereas Harry and Ron just leave. Oh, yeah. They're just like, they just walk out and she keeps, she just follows them. And then gets locked locked out as well. Yeah, I mean the only reason why she followed them is that they were, that she was locked out. Yeah, exactly. But also, pretty okay. This is fairly irritating. If the fat lady leaves her portrait, there's no way for any students to get back in. Okay, but what if they can communicate to someone on on the inside to open up the door? How? They're first years. They, they can't do corporeal patronuses that can, you know, speak. Um, what if, they just yell through the door. But that's to the common room. You don't get the, to the, like, the dormitories either. Yeah, but there were people in the common room when Harry and Ron left. Yeah. So if they were knocking like, or doing something, people in the common room would have noticed. But what if there aren't any people in the common room and we have this sudden issue of you not going to get into your room because the 
fat lady or the lady in pink, because let's not describe her exclusively from her weight. Let's describe her as the lady that, you know, tries to sing high pitched and smashes, smashes the glass in the back of the screen instead. So that's, that's a bit of an issue for me. But this actually makes me want to mention one thing. It's, it was, it's what we know about how, how these, these portraits, these paintings actually get their, their competence. Um, we see that, for example, Sokodogan is a bombacious knight that's just, you know, trying to prove himself as gallant, and that's basically it. Um, whereas the paintings of the Hogwarts headmasters are very much themselves and very, very aware of their surroundings and their roles. And what we know, actually, what we actually do know, this is, this is confirmed canon, is that the paintings are infused with knowledge from the people that painted them or the people that interacted with them. Mm. Um, do, when the spell is being placed on the painting, and which means that, well, actually, what, what this, this means is that the paintings are well, the headmasters are painted before the headmasters die, and they are actually kept in the back in the in the headmaster study itself, where the headmaster can actually discuss things with their own painting to infuse the painting with their knowledge so that when they die the painting will remain be placed in the the headmaster's office to advise coming headmasters and that's how how we see this ending up which means that the paintings not only represent the the headmaster themselves but also represents what the headmaster valued that's that's pretty genius though so like when we see, when we see what is his name, um, the black headmaster. He's not black. He's the ancestor of Sirius Black. Mm-hmm. When we see him find out that that Sirius Black and thereby his line has ended, he goes to Grimmauld Place to check, and that's because family and those relations was important to him important enough to him for him to instill this in his own painting hmm. so that's pretty cool and says a lot about you know how the things we value um live past us it's really what we value how we make things feel that you know continues after we die hashtag deep talks I know, right? <laughs> Way to undermine the hashtag deep talks. <laughs> Thank you, Mona. Anyway, um, we're almost at the end of this episode. Is there anything else you want to mention, Mona? Uh, oh, yeah. A funny part. Well, not really funny. It just made me giggle. It's the fact that Hermione was like worried and panicking for the first time because she didn't really know like that much about... Um, Writing broomsticks in Quidditch, but she was also reading she, Quidditch through through the ages. Yeah, she she up. read it, but she like to the point that she was she found a book in the library to read about it. Like hashtag yeah. nerd alert. You know what? I get that. 
Nerds are great. <laughs> Embrace your inner yeah, you're, nerd. You're, um, you're, you're a Ravenclaw. You're a nerd by default. That is true. But also, if we weren't nerds, we wouldn't be doing this. And if you weren't nerds, you wouldn't be listening. So welcome, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, we're a big nerd family. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's round off there. And before we leave you, have a fantastic week. Remember to like and subscribe to our podcast of Mugs and Mudbloods. We exist on Facebook and Instagram, of course. Um, please do support this podcast, share it with your friends. And if you're going to consume Harry Potter content, buy the book secondhand and consume fan main content. Watch, watch things like a very Potter musical or buy trans inclusive um, merch, things on Etsy, because mm -hmm. that's how we can preserve Harry Potter, preserve this amazing fandom that's so inclusive while not giving JK even more money because she's, she is a turf. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to be sharing some more about this. There's a crash course on how to, how to separate the fandom and your Harry Potter enjoyment from JK and her economic interests. So, for example, don't don't go onto Wizarding World because Wizarding World does generate ad revenue for JK. So with that, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back next week with the 10th chapter, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. The name of that chapter is Halloween. Halloween. And of course, we can't wait to bring that to you. So... Have a great weekend, and we'll see you all next Saturday. Bye.